she's an American board certified OBGYN. She's the CEO of Jobs.Mom, where women, we're moms, we're Muslims, and we're talking about sex. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Welcome to the Muslim Sex Podcast. I'm Dr. Sada Flody. And I'm Sabine Mirza. Uh, before we get into it, the first thing we want to make very clear is that we are not giving any kind of religious or medical advice. If you have any concerns about your health, please speak to your medical provider. And if you have any questions about your religion, please ask your friendly neighborhood religious leader. It's the Muslim Sex Podcast because we just happen to be two Muslim women who talk about sex. Yep. So let's get started, Sadaf, shall we? Yes, let's get started. So today we got a really important and interesting episode. Obviously, in the past weeks, we've talked about everything from sex and STDs to, um, you know, reproductive health, the menstrual cycle. And I think we have arrived at a natural progression to our first episode about pregnancy. And today, I think we can really focus on the first trimester of pregnancy. For those of you that are listening, we've talked about conception and fertility. And now that you have, congratulations, gotten pregnant, what happens now? Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, so the, the first thing that we want to kind of get into it is, you know, you're you're an OBGYN. This is, you know, really something that you're seeing in and out, day in and day out. What is the first trimester of pregnancy? What is it? What's happening? Sure, Zabine. So, yep, what happens is that usually patients come and see us when they have missed a period. And um, it's usually because they want to get pregnant, but of course, not always. And uh, the first trimester is considered the time from when the first day of their last menstrual period to up until 13 weeks. So that's how we calculate how many weeks somebody is, is we usually go by the first day of their last menstrual period. Now, if somebody has irregular menses, um, then what we'll do is after they have a missed period, um, we typically wait a couple of weeks, uh, but depending on what signs and symptoms they're having, we may not wait and we'll get an ultrasound. And of course, what we do is we'll also get um, blood work and we check what we're checking for is a beta HCG, which is the blood hormone of pregnancy. And typically in the early uh, days of pregnancy, what we'll do is we'll get one level and, and we'll consider that, you know, say day zero. And then in 48 hours, we'll get another beta HCG level. And um, what we want to see is we want to see that value double. So from the first day, which was day zero to uh, 48 hours later, we want to see it double. And if for some reason it doesn't double, then, you know, we check it a couple more times. And um, if it consistently doesn't double, then, you know, in the back of our minds, we're thinking either you're having a miscarriage if the values are going down, or if they're plateauing, if they're staying the same, um, and really not going up by much, then we worry about an ectopic pregnancy. And Zabine, you know, you'll probably remember when we talked about it last time that an ectopic pregnancy was a pregnancy any um, that is anywhere outside of the body of the uterus, within it, the uterus. So it could even be in the horns of the uterus, which we call a corneal ectopic, or it could be in the fallopian tubes 
or it could be in the ovary, but anywhere outside of that uterus is what we consider an ectopic. Um, so, you know, those are definitely some of the things that we check for once we have a missed period. But if we're worried about an ectopic, we will definitely get an ultrasound to check where uh, we see this pregnancy. And sometimes if the beta HCG level is too low, we won't even see it. So that's why we need to continuously follow those beta HCGs. We'll also, um, if somebody has bleeding with their pregnancy, and um, then what we'll do is we'll want to, again, watch that beta HCG level and uh, make sure it's, you know, not an ectopic or that you're not having a miscarriage. Yeah. And, you know, you're talking about checking beta HCG levels and you're checking that through blood work, right? Yes. Uh -huh. okay. And we can also, you know, so when we get the urine pregnancy test, that's also a beta HCG, but it's more um, qualitative. So it'll just tell us whether or not somebody is pregnant or not. But uh, the blood test is a quantitative measure. And so it'll give us the exact value. And that's more important to OBGYNs, especially if you're having bleeding in the first trimester, we're checking those levels to see whether or not they're increasing or decreasing or staying the same. Yeah. And I think that's important because a lot of people will do at-home pregnancy tests, right? Um, but, I, you know, there's, there's, it's important to note here that your provider will do a proper medical, uh, a, a proper uh, pregnancy test at the office when you come in after you've missed your period. And that could be either the urine sample and or the blood work as you were measuring. And I think that's super important, especially for women even that maybe have a history of pregnancy loss or ectopic pregnancies just to keep track of. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, and that, that, as uh, we stated earlier, is the first trimester. So, you know, other important things to note um, when you're pregnant is whether or not you're having any abdominal pains, Sabine, because that, of course, can also be a sign of an ectopic pregnancy. So that's important to note, um, especially if you're having bleeding. And, uh, you know, along with the beta HCG level that we do, we also will check a blood count if you happen to have any type of bleeding and we'll also check your blood type. The reason why we do that is because if you happen to be um, RH negative or like an O negative or a negative blood type, then you may need Rogam right. early on in the pregnancy. And what Rogam does is it prevents um, antibodies uh, from that fetal blood to the maternal blood, prevents those from forming. So, um, so that when you become pregnant again, your body doesn't start to attack that fetus. And that's assuming, now if let's say both of the partners are negative blood type, then you probably won't need Rogam, but in the early phases of pregnancy, we don't know that, you know, we don't know what the blood type of the fetus is. Um, so typically, if the mom is Rh negative, then we automatically uh, will give her Rogam if she's having bleeding in the first trimester, and then she'll get that Rogam again um, around 28 weeks. Okay, between 24 and 28 weeks. But actually, um, yeah, typically we'll do the Rogam at 28 weeks. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's important, right? Because especially in the early days of pregnancies, and I, I'm thinking back to even, you know we've had six pregnancies between the both of us, right? So I'm thinking back even to my first pregnancy. Um, you're so nervous the first trimester, especially when you're a first-time mom, right? And you're, you're, you're pregnant for the first time. And then I thought, 
you know, that first trimester anxiety doesn't really go away with subsequent pregnancies either, right? You're so worried and you know that there is also kind of, I don't know what you call it, but that danger window, right? After which, you know, the, the, the risk of miscarriage decreases. But why don't you share a little bit of, you know, what is normal, the first trimester in terms of bleeding, cramping, discharge, and when should you seek medical support? Right, absolutely. So, you know, in the first trimester, definitely women can expect like breast tenderness. They can expect increased vaginal discharge because of the hormones of pregnancy. Um, they can also expect sometimes women will get a little bit of spotting early on after they've become pregnant, and that's considered like an implantation bleed. It could be a, um, a pinkish discharge. Um, like after you wipe, you know, you see a little bit of mucusy pink or a little bit even of blood, and that can just be an implantation bleed. But you know, a lot of times. For most women, especially those that are trying to get pregnant, that can be a little bit startling. So, you know, they'll want to go and get that checked out. But um, you definitely, you can have an implantation bleed. You can have a lot of fatigue, right? So women that when they first find out that they're pregnant, um, they tend to sleep a lot, right? And a lot of pregnant women do, and that's normal. Um, they can also have some food cravings. They could be peeing all the time, you know, and all of those things are normal. They can have mood swings. You can have morning sickness, um, you know, and that's again, because of those hormones of pregnancy, because of the estrogen and the progesterone that uh, women find themselves feeling nauseous and sometimes vomiting. Um, some women, it gets so bad that they need to be hospitalized when they can't tolerate any food at all. And if they begin to lose weight, so then they'll need to, you know, go to the hospital, get some hydration and maybe even be in the hospital for a little bit of time um, until they start to feel better and they can tolerate food. You know, we will also give medication for um, the nausea and vomiting that happens, especially if women are not able to tolerate food. Um, sometimes we'll ask them to take ginger. You know, there's a lot of ginger teas that help. But sometimes we'll give them vitamin B6. Um, to also help with that nausea. So there's definitely medications that we can give for uh, what we call hyperemesis. Um, but like I said, if it gets really bad, then a woman may need to be hospitalized. A lot of times um, we will also do an ultrasound at the time when women are having that you know, severe nausea and vomiting because sometimes they could be carrying multiple gestations. They could have twins, who knows, maybe even triplets. Um, there have been, you know, definitely spontaneous triplets that occur. So it's important for a woman that's not able to tolerate uh, food and liquids that she go and be tested uh, and get an ultrasound and go see her provider, you know, and yeah. if she needs to, then go and get some IV hydration. Yeah. And, you know, and also the myth that morning sickness is only in the morning is, is just that it's a myth and that it's only in the first trimester also is a myth because you can have morning sickness all day and night and you can have morning sickness all pregnancy long. And um, I think very important is, is to understand that it is normal, right? Nausea and vomiting is normal, but within a certain limit. And if you are, you know, starting to become dehydrated or losing weight, then you absolutely need to go in. Um, and I'll tell you, Sadaf, it was really funny because, you know, every time I went in uh, during my first pregnancy, with my subsequent pregnancies, like I just never 
I just didn't go in until like I absolutely had to. But every time I went in, it was like, oh, you just need to drink more water. Everything was that you just needed to drink more water. I'm having this pain. You need to drink more water. And I remember once I said to my doctor, I swear to God, if you tell me I need to drink more water, I'm going to stab you. And he started laughing. But he said, but you need to drink more water. And the fact is, even if you're not pregnant, I think we all need to drink more water, right? But especially pregnant women need to drink a lot of water. So the, and, you know, if you don't have that hydration, you know, cramping, you know, there's there's lots of dangers to the mother and to the baby. Early labor is, is a challenge, right? So um, especially when you are sick, you know, to make sure that at least your water intake is is consistent, I think is super, super important to remind everyone. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Ab- definitely very important to be drinking lots and lots of water. And especially for pregnant women, you know, even if they don't feel like they're dehydrated, they should go ahead and be drinking water. And like you said, you know, when you're dehydrated, it can lead to cramping, uh, which can be very stressful in a woman that's pregnant. So it is very important to try to stay as hydrated as you can. Yeah. So let's talk yeah. about now prenatal care, right? Which is another um, a thing that I was quite religiously taking prenatal vitamins in my first pregnancy and then completely abandoned in my subsequent ones because I just couldn't swallow them. But um, there are gummies now for any of you that are uh, challenged with pill taking the way I am, and uh, they're quite delicious. So, um, but they are important. So, so talk a little bit about prenatal vitamins, prenatal care. What are they doing? Why is it important? Is is it absolutely necessary? Um, to take those vitamins, give it, give us your, your thoughts. So the most important thing about prenatal vitamins, Sabine, is the folic acid. Um, you need to be taking at least 400 micrograms. Um, and actually, uh, I believe they've increased that to 800 micrograms actually in the prenatal vitamins that you need to be taking. And, um, it's really important because it helps with the development of the neuromuscular, um, system, um, the spine and um, the brain. And what happens is that when babies don't get that folic acid, you know, there have been issues with brain development and uh, patients can also end up with fetuses that, that have spina bifida. So that's really important. The spina bifida, as you know, is where the spine doesn't close and doesn't form properly. Um, and actually, you know, speaking of, I went on a medical mission in 2019 in Pakistan, and that was one of the biggest things is that they saw, because their foods are not fortified with folic acid, they, the midwives there that were delivering the fetuses, the infants, um, would see a baby born without um, a fetal skull, like at least weekly. Oh my God. Uh, and also their spine, you know, spina bifida, where the spine wasn't developed properly. Um, so that's, you know, something we take for granted is our foods are fortified, our breads, our cereals are fortified with folic acid. So even if a woman is not taking her prenatal vitamins, she's pretty much um, safe if she's, you know, taking cereal, eating cereal or, you know, um, eating toast and things like that. Um, so definitely the most important thing is folic acid in terms of um, the development of the spine. And, you know, DHA is very important for development of the brain and of the eyes. So those are important uh, nutrients that we consume. And also, you know, iron is very important. What happens is that the blood volume doubles uh, in preparation for the pregnancy and also for delivery. And so that's why it's very common 
for women to become anemic in pregnancy. And um, when they are anemic, when it's found, typically it's due to iron deficiency, and we suggest that you take iron. Of course, the problem with taking iron, Zabine, as you know, is that it constipates pretty badly. And so, you know, we will recommend that, um, you know, you can go on um, a stool softener, you know, if it, the constipation is really bad. And for some women, it is. Some women have to take Miralax, you know, yeah. um, so to help with the constipation that occurs in pregnancy. Also, vitamin C will help with the absorption of um, iron. So sometimes we'll ask, you know, patients to perhaps drink some orange juice with their um, iron to help with the absorption. Also, you know, we can get iron in our foods from meats to, you know, spinach and um, different ways to supplement iron. But yeah, that's also very important in the vitamins. Yeah. And I think, I think you're right because a lot of us, and I know I struggled with a lot of guilt that I was unable to take um, my, my prenatal vitamins and also those omega-3 massive yellow fish oil capsules for, you know, the DHA, for the prenatal vitamins. And I struggled because I had very serious morning sickness and I just couldn't do it. But, you know, as, as Sadaf mentioned, we are quite lucky here that our foods are fortified. But if you are living in a place, wherever you are listening to us from, living somewhere where, you know, you, you are not sure if your foods are fortified and you have the ability to take uh, these prenatal vitamins, it is absolutely essential to take them for your health, for your fetal health. And uh, of course, as always, drink lots of water and a very balanced diet is as important as ever um, when you are uh, expecting. Now, Sadaf, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast. So my next question is, can you have sex when you're pregnant, <laughs> right? Yep, absolutely. So actually having sex when you're pregnant is probably the best time to have sex, right? Because you're not worried about pregnancy because you're right. pregnant. <laughs> so definitely, um, you know, sex is, and it's probably, it'll probably be the best sex will probably happen in the first trimester, right? Because your belly is not that big and um, you're getting a lot of blood supply to all of the organs, you know, especially the genitals. And so I think that the best time is to have um, intercourse, but, you know, of course, having intercourse anytime during pregnancy is, is fine. However, you know, there are limitations, right? So for example, if you're having bleeding in the first trimester, your, your doctor is going to advise you not to have intercourse. Um, if you, you know, and we'll talk about this in the second and third trimester, but if you end up having something called placenta previa, um, where the placenta covers the cervix, then you're not going to be able to have intercourse uh, because those contractions could cause bleeding, right? So yeah. when a woman orgasms, her uterus contracts. And if that's going to cause contractions and we don't want to have contractions, then we're going to ask her not to have intercourse. So that would definitely be uh, a, you know, a red flag in terms of having intercourse during pregnancy. But if you're not having any issues with bleeding, and if definitely if your doctor tells you, you know, that it's okay, then pregnancy is a great time to have sex. Awesome. Well, you yeah. know, I, I think as we wrap up here, it's it's important to remind everyone that, again, every pregnancy is unique. Every woman is unique. So if you are pregnant, please follow the advice of your individual medical provider. 
um, regarding sexual activity, regarding prenatal vitamins, regarding any kind of medication, regarding anything they're telling you in relation to rest or risk or what have you. Um, again, what we're talking about today is really just from a very general perspective, but every pregnancy is uh, unique and uh, it is important to follow up with your medical provider uh, about your unique medical condition. So if any last parting words to the newly pregnant before we close up here today? Sure. I just wanted to let, you know, the women know that end up getting pregnant that, you know, typically the visits that occur in pregnancy are usually every four weeks in the beginning, in the first trimester. And at your first visit, you know, we will take a thorough history and physical. Um, we will also go over your obstetrical history. And if there's any cause for concern, for example, if you have high blood pressure or if you have diabetes pre-existing, you know, we'll manage those with you. Um, sometimes women will develop uh, high blood pressure later on in pregnancy, and that can sometimes happen um, either early on. And if it happens early on, we call that chronic hypertension. And if it happens after 20 weeks, uh, we worry about something called preeclampsia. And uh, we call that gestational hypertension. So those are, you know, things to look out for. We always monitor blood pressure. We always monitor the weight. <clears throat> There's, um, in terms of gaining weight during pregnancy, you know, if somebody is has a normal BMI, we tell them to gain about um, 25 to 35 pounds. If they are overweight in the beginning, you know, their BMI is overweight, then we ask them to only gain like 15 to 25 pounds throughout their whole pregnancy. And if they're underweight, then, you know, they're able to gain up and up to like 35 pounds in their pregnancy, 25 to 35 pounds. So that's also an important thing that we monitor. We always check for protein in the urine, again, looking for preeclampsia. Um, we always check the urine to make sure you don't have a bladder infection. So those are all things that a woman can expect when she goes for her prenatal visits. Also, we'll do a pap smear if you're over the age of 21 and if you haven't had one yet. Um, and we'll also check for sexually transmitted diseases. We'll check for syphilis and hepatitis and all of that routine prenatal work. So it's important to know that, you know, the first visit typically is the longest where we go over everything and also get blood work done. And then your second visit uh, is where we typically go over all the results of that blood work. Yeah, And, I think and you also get an ultrasound. Yeah. And I think that's really important to know what to expect when you go in, right? Especially for the first time, um, the cadence, the blood work, the requirements. And um, it's important to also, you know, stick to the cadence that your provider uh, sets forth for you. If they're asking you to come in, you know, every month, every three weeks, every six weeks, um, again, follow your uh, provider's guidance. Um, because as we said earlier, every pregnancy is unique. Every situation is different. Um, so uh, we'll wrap up here today. Uh, to recap, for all of you that find yourselves pregnant, congratulations. Welcome to the first trimester. Um, morning sickness is not just necessarily in the morning. It could be all day. It could be all three trimesters. Um, take your prenatal vitamins. As Sadaf mentioned, our foods are fortified with folic acid, but if you are from a place that perhaps they aren't, please be sure to seek those additional supplements. Um, Sadaf, you want to remind them of our disclaimer before we close out? <laughs> yes. So um, this is not a substitute for medical um, advice. So if you're having any health issues or problems, please seek the advice of your 
physician. Yep. And have sex when you're pregnant because Sadaf said it's the best time to do it. This is the Muslim Sex <laughs> Podcast, and we will see you next time. Bye.